like a deer in the headlights kind of thing but it was a great experience I got all the way to the semi-final yeah I got to appear in front of like 15 million people watching my work which is just brilliant all I ever want to do is just show people what I do you know show them my work and show that art can be literally anything so there I was this 20 year old Welsh boy from the valleys walking out making portraits with toast I mean it's a little bit different (laughs) but (laughs) but it worked I've always been intrigued by what makes people successful, what success means to them, and how we can apply their techniques to make our lives more successful. This is a We Make Success Happen podcast with Matt Callanan. Hello and welcome to the We Make Success Happen podcast. Today, it's with amazing human Nathan Wyburn. Hello. Hello, how are you, Matt? Very, very good. Good. Looking through your book, Pop Tart, yeah. the amount of celebrities and people that you've done portraits for and met, more importantly, is there yeah. anyone that you haven't actually met in the in the uh, oh. celebrity world? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's quite an extensive list now. I mean, I've been doing it about 10 years, but um, there's a couple still on my hit list. So we'll have to, you know, I have to keep working once this world goes back to normal. Yeah, I'll get who, there. who's on your hit list? There's probably like huge stars. I mean, like, you know, Angelina Jolie and like Sir Michelle Gellar, Britney Spears. I love Britney Spears. Cher. I mean, they're all yeah. women. I, I've, I've only is just said women. Is that share behind you then? That is share. That's a huge share um, from floor to ceiling. Massive blue painting of share. <laughs> so for the kind of audio listeners on the podcast, yeah, you do these amazing portraits of mainly famous people. So you've done like Mariah Carey with coffee. Yeah. Dame Shirley Bassey in glitter. Einstein in Smarties. <laughs> Yeah, yeah do you I want mean, to kind of explain the concept then. Yeah, more than anything, I, I just like to kind of show that art um, can be anything, and that it's not restricted to just paints and pastels and things. More traditional stuff, I guess. Um, and the idea originally came about. It was about ten years ago. Now I had a. I started a YouTube channel just as YouTube was kind of kicking off. You know, in like 2009, 2010, uh, not many people were really using it. Um, not many, they didn't have many contributors at the time, really. Um, so I, I was kind of there at the right time, I think. And there was just this big boom of people that were really interested in my work. And I read a newspaper article about Simon Cowell that said, you love him or hate him. And I instantly thought, could I make a portrait using Marmite of Simon Cowell? Put the video online with toast, Marmite on toast. And it just went... It went a bit mad and the rest is history do you think that was the turning point then doing creating simon cowell out of marmite on toast i think so yeah it kind of woke something inside me that i just haven't been able to let go since um i can't even walk down uh the street i can't walk down a supermarket aisle without seeing something that i want to turn into a piece of art and then i tried to think of who that could be and what the relation could be, whether it's a political story, whether it's a celebrity scandal, whether it's a song lyric, the inspiration could come from absolutely anywhere. Yeah, because you got picked up by Britain's Got Talents. Was that after the Simon Cowell Marmite? 
Yeah, it, it was about a year or so after. Um, I'd appeared on a few different TV shows prior to that. Things like Blue Peter, I got myself a Blue Peter badge, which was awesome. Um, a couple of news stations, a couple of commissions with things like Costa Coffee and Marmite themselves. And then I was talent scouted for Britain's Got Talent in 2011. And how was that whole experience? Um, nerve wracking. Uh, I was only 20 at the time and I, I was, I used to be a lot more shy than I am now. You know, I kind of believe in myself and my work a lot more now, but back then it was kind of like a deer in the headlights kind of thing, but it was a great experience. I got all the way to the semi-final. Um, yeah, I got to appear in front of like 15 million people watching my work, which is just brilliant. Um, all I ever want to do is just show people what I do, you know, show them my work and show that art can be literally anything. So there I was, this 20-year-old Welsh boy from the valleys walking out, um, making portraits with toast. I mean, it's a little bit different, <laughs> but <laughs> but it worked. Did that go out live then? Yeah. Well, semi-final. The, well, the audition didn't, but the semi-final did, yeah. And um, I think I took on a little bit too much for the semi-final. I tried to do three larger, elaborate artworks using fire and glitter and candles and stuff, which didn't quite go to plan. But um, I kept my head held high, walked away, used the platform um, as good as I could. Afterwards, people still go, oh, you're the toast man, you're the toast boy. Um, Ten years <laughs> on, which is brilliant. So, um, yeah, I mean, I've branched out quite a lot since. You know, I've done quite a lot of different stuff, but that still comes back to get me. Yeah, how do you feel with that kind of tag almost? <laughs> Like Honestly, people just remember you for that, just that one thing almost, or that yeah. one technique. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. I mean, I think everybody's got like a staple, even like you go to see um, your favorite singer and they've got that one big hit that you de they definitely have to sing. So I think, you know, I've just got to be respectful to that. And, you know, it, it is what kind of started me off and got my ball rolling. So, yeah. So what kind of art were you doing before using maybe non, do you say like non-traditional materials? Yeah, I mean, in school, I mean, I studied all the way through to fine art school in Cardiff. Um, so I got the degree. Didn't particularly enjoy it as such because I felt like it was not holding me back, but I was focusing on other stuff instead of the work that I, I really wanted to do. Because when you're doing a degree, you're kind of having to tick boxes and do this and that. But there was more traditional stuff, photography, cutting up newspapers and turning them into art and things like that, which I still do now a little bit of. But um, yeah, it's just kind of gone in a direction I never anticipated. Do you want to talk through some of your other kind of big pieces? Maybe not just big, big pieces, but thing pieces that have like done really well for you? Yeah, I mean, when I was still in uni, so it's still in 2011 when I was on Britain's Got Talent, I did a huge artwork of Rupert Murdoch and the whole News of the World phone hack scandal was going on at the time. And it was very controversial. I mean, there were royals involved, there were celebrities involved, there was um, like murder victims involved, and Madeleine McCann was involved, her parents phones were hacked. So I did this huge artwork of Rupert Murdoch by cutting up images of all these people involved. And that ended up front page of The Guardian, so full front page of The Guardian. Um, and I didn't even know it was going to be used. I put it on social media and um, I went into the local shop a couple of days after and it was there, front page of The Guardian. Uh, thankfully, they credited me, otherwise I probably would have kicked off a little bit. <laughs> um, but it was kind of amazing to see my work full front page of such a prestigious newspaper, you know. Um, 
And then in, re- in recent years, there's been things like the NHS thank you collage that I've done. Uh, you mentioned Albert Einstein in Smarties there. Really fun things like Judy Garland in Rainbow Drops because of Summer Over the Rainbow. Eminem in Spaghetti. Pizza artwork. There's been loads. Loads. So have you kind of cornered the market then in, you know, non-traditional material art niche? Whatever yeah. that is. I mean, whatever whatever that is, I know. I mean, I, I definitely, I know I'm not the first to have done it. There are artists I've looked at that have done very similar things and a lot that I really respect. Um, and there's been Toast Art around for a long time, you know. Um, but I guess I just kind of, I've done it so much that people associate me with that and people think of that. And that's where the work comes into it now for me is that I work for PR agencies and advertising agencies and to do these big PR stunts and things, whether it's video or in person and work for different celebrities and stuff as well. So it's turned into um, a pretty cool career that's been going well now for 10 years. Yeah. Do you want to talk through some of the very cool people that you've met in your career so far? Yeah, I mean, just like celebrity-wise, I mean, presenting artwork to Dame Shirley Bassey and Catherine Zeta-Jones when they both got keys to the cities of Swansea and Cardiff. That was pretty cool. Um, Mariah Carey got commissioned by her to do her birthday presents and by her partner to do her birthday present. And then uh, portraits of her kids as well after a show in the Royal Albert Hall. Amazing. So I got, How does that so, even come about anyway? Social media. Every, really? almost, almost everything for me from back in the day on YouTube um, has been through social media. Um, Mariah retweeted a glitter artwork that I did of her for my friend. And I'm guessing her partner saw it from there. Or maybe I got a feeling she's got, you know, she wears the trousers in that relationship. So she might have said, get in touch with Nathan. I want one of those pictures, um, which is pretty cool even to think about that. So it was shipped out to Florida at the time where she was having a birthday present, a birthday party. And yeah, presented to her, which is just, just amazing. Yeah. How does that make you feel that something you created is in the hands of these sort of mega famous people? Yeah, it's it's a little bit surreal, but um, it kind of feels like a dream in many ways still. Um, but I've always admired artists like Andy Warhol. I mean, when he was alive in the 80s doing his pop art, um, he was doing them for the megastars that were around then. And maybe, you know, that I kind of feel like that's what I'm doing now um, on a smaller scale at the moment. But who knows one day? Yeah, it's it's just it's, it's a crazy, brilliant feeling. And even people like Prince Charles, I've got to present work to, who will hopefully one day be king. So it's yes, it's all, it's all very exciting. Now, you were kind of saying just before we hit record that some people were maybe dismissive of your art or is it because people don't think it is art or isn't like proper art or serious art? Is that, is yeah. that what's happening? There's been a lot of, um, I guess it caused, caused a lot of controversy within like the art world. And when I was at university and stuff, even my lecturers, some of them um, actually pretty much dismissed my work completely because it was so commercial and it was on TV and it was um, on front pages of newspapers and things like that. But then the message of my work and the pop culture side of it, they were telling me to look at pop artists. But then as soon as I was doing what they were doing, um, it kind of, I, I don't know what it did, but it, it made them, the tutors very dismissive of my work and fellow students as well. I had my first uh, big retrospective exhibition during my last year of uni. So I put some posters up. I mean, to have a retrospective at 22 was a little bit unheard of, but I did it. And 
somebody'd actually deliberately ripped into the poster and just ripped out my face out of the middle of the posters and i just remember thinking oh this is so typical of what you know what i'm getting all the time these days and trolls on the internet and loads of different stuff like that but it's kind of part and parcel when you put yourself out there as a public face as well it just happens yeah do you want to talk about your kind of technique of either not biting to those kind of trolls and stuff that people do because i think you're right when you put yourself in the arena or go into a public place with something that you've created it it just attracts criticism it just does naturally and the higher up you go the more trolls and the more criticism you're going to get so how do you deal with that and kind of get yourself back into a positive state yeah i'm i'm very um blessed i guess that i i I hate the word lucky i don't believe in luck i think people work hard and they get what they deserve um but i think i'm blessed in the sense that i've found my talent i guess and believe in myself because of that and back in the day like in school i was being picked on and bullied for several different reasons and i didn't believe in myself and i didn't quite know how to get through that and i hit some pretty dark times and i think that um mental health wise that still you know kind of haunts me today um when i do sort of get negative doubts and things and i've sought you know help to help me with that which is great and i think talking about you know, your own problems and mental health is a very important thing. And I try to do that as much as I can. But the confidence that I now have in my work means that I can shrug off these comments a lot easier. And if people say anything derogatory or negative towards me personally or my work, um, I can really dismiss it quite well. Um, But I will still talk for those people that can't. And I will still highlight that this is wrong because some people can't shrug it off. Um, I've even turned it into pieces of work. Um, It's almost like, you know, um, there's, there's no better way of responding than doing better and that you know so that's kind of how i deal with it now i just shrug it off and keep going nice and what about the old kind of tutors and some of the students you know people that were in like your class have you sort of come across some of those people again that may have been dismissive of your stuff earlier yeah, on. Yeah, there's been one or two, and there was actually a guy that was very dismissive. I mean, he'll remain nameless, but um, he was very dismissive of the fact that I was using like food and ingredients like that. And then I come across some of his work on Facebook uh, about a year or so later, and he was using custard to make artwork. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, then, right. Um, but you know that that's how the worm turns or whatever the saying is and it's yeah i've not seen any tutors since and i'm kind of thankful for that at the moment um but the university actually put my picture on the front page of their prospectus for the following year um and i remember thinking oh if only you knew like what some of your tutors had said to me um but it's because i was front page of this and on this tv show and doing that there and this there um so they used me as a successful example of somebody that came from the course um even though i don't think the course particularly helped me at all but i'm not trying to put, oh, really? i'm not i'm not trying to i'm not trying to put people off going to uni it's different for everyone but i just think um it was the wrong time for me maybe i was too busy with other stuff what would you say to someone to try and find i mean would you say that what you found is your purpose or is it your niche or is it something that you find that just really flows for you? Yeah. How do you describe that? And what would you say to 
listeners that might be creative but think they haven't either haven't found what they're really kind of like passionate about or their purpose or perhaps they found that but they perhaps haven't found the audience you know they know they've got a good thing but perhaps the audience hasn't quite clicked yet what would you say to them yeah it's it's a really difficult thing because i'd never claim to be the best at what i do I, i've got friends that i know can you know draw a portrait better than i can that can do certain other things better than i can and i don't think trying to be um the best is never is is ever a good way of doing it. I think just think being authentic to yourself is the only way you'll ever really get satisfaction from it, and that's whatever creative outlet you've got, um, or sport or whatever it is you do. And I think as long as you're authentic to yourself, at some point it will click and it will come in. Um, everybody gets different times. Everybody gets um, different points of their life where it will hit. Mine just happened to hit when I was quite young, and it's still going all right now. I mean, um, again, I, I don't think it's luck. I think it was right place with me seeing that article with Simon Cowell and having a YouTube channel and not spending all my money on alcohol like most people my age was doing. And I'd be spending it on art materials and I'd stay in instead of going out partying. And I mean, I've done all that as well. But at the time it, it was, it was, yeah, I was so focused and determined to make something of myself. Um, and yeah. Now, I think you've got quite a clever technique in terms of like you seem to sort of create stuff that sometimes is very newsworthy or you use the power of the audience that that celebrity has yeah and kind of you're almost like you kind of piggyback sometimes on the news stories and yeah. put your spin on it yeah. i think that's a really clever marketing technique i mean was that something that you knowingly did or is it something that you kind of fell into and thought oh that's actually seems to be working for me yeah I think I kind of fell into it really um there's always been a slight self-indulgence with what I do because there's um I very rarely make artwork of people I don't like or respect or admire um so quite often when I was first uploading videos to YouTube it'd be pop stars and actors and things that I really liked um just in hopes that one day maybe they'd notice me and they, you know I could get a response from them that just seemed but it seemed so far away it seemed like a different world um whereas now you know it's it's generally within arm's reach which is quite nice and um I think it just kind of happened really and I think there'll always be new stories. There'll always be things happening in the world. There'll always be something that, you, that I can grab and think, right, how can I make a piece of art with this? And I think th th there is a quote by um, Nina Simone, and she said she always felt it's her duty as an artist, as a creative, to document the times. And that quote never leaves my head. And I always think, okay, so somebody, I mean, just take last year, for example, if you look back at, 50% uh, of my work, I reckon it was pandemic related in some sort of way. And you look back at last year and you could almost look at my work as a diary of what happened in the world, whether it was Donald Trump saying that he's going to inject himself with a disinfectant to help COVID. So I painted his portrait of disinfectant. Or that when worked, he, didn't it? Yeah, that worked. <laughs> or, or when he got COVID and I made him with face masks Um or when the government said about retraining if you're a creative. So I picked up a sweeping brush and made a portrait of Boris Johnson because I retrained as a cleaner. Uh, just really fun stuff. But it is documenting things that are said and things that happen. And I could never lose source material for that because there'll always be news. Yeah. Do you want to talk about the um, collage that you did of 
the nurses and NHS, which ended up like printed out massively and like being hung on the side of buildings. Yeah. I mean, you want the front of newspapers. Didn't the, this morning use it in their intro sequence yeah. as well? Yeah. Um, so that idea just kind of came about when obviously the pandemic hit last March here in the UK and I lost all work. All my travel and stuff got cancelled. I was meant to be going to Australia for some projects. I was meant to have a TV appearance in Japan. And the, these were crazy things that I'd been working towards for a long time. So I just kind of panicked really. And But at the same time then I sort of looked at all my friends who are majority nurses and hospital workers of some sort. And I sort of just sat there and I thought, actually, I've got it all right compared to these guys that still have to go into the epicenter of a pandemic and put themselves at risk every single day. And I just thought, right, so I've now got to use my talent and my way of saying thank you, which is by making a visual piece of art. So I put a Facebook call out for all my friends and their friends and anyone to send me selfies of themselves in their scrubs or their uniforms. And I used all those images to make up a generic um, female um, nurse's face. And it just got picked up everywhere. It kind of exploded. Like you said, I got to appear on This Morning again. And it was in the opening credits for three months, the whole summer, uh, front page of every Welsh newspaper, pretty much. And then displayed, I think it's about 15 foot tall outside every hospital in Wales, which is a little bit bonkers, really. But yeah. How does it make you feel seeing something that you've, yeah. created on such a big scale it's it's very surreal i mean i love working large anyway but um but i normally know if i'm setting out to make a large piece of work what the project's going to, going to end up like um but this piece was just you know a digital piece that i never anticipated would end up being printed like that um but the Cardiff and Vale Health Charity got in touch with me, who I'm a patron for, and we decided on printing it out like massive which was amazing but more so it looks it seems surreal to me it doesn't really feel like it's mine when i look at it i feel like it's everybody's that's in the piece of work i feel like it belongs to them and everybody the amount of messages i've had from people saying that it just gives them that morale boost whether they're on the way to work or whether they've just finished a hard grueling shift it just does give them that thank you that maybe they didn't quite feel they got from the thursday clap for carers or but to see themselves in a piece of work that's documented and Len Richards, the CEO of Cardiff and Vale um, uh, Hospital, he actually says it's the image of the year for him. It's, it's the image of the pandemic. And to me, that's just a huge honour. And yeah, it just seems a little bit surreal, really, because I still feel like I'm that little valley's boy, just like working in his studio kind of thing. Um, but the work does end up getting seen by some people and making a difference, which just yeah means the world to me. Yeah, because you're ambassador for a few like bullying isn't it and um so yeah. what does um kind of giving back and being kind to people mean to you yeah to me it's everything um i think it's always been ingrained in me as a child i mean i was um very privileged to have a nice upbringing with two loving parents um that i could turn to whenever i wanted to and if i needed to um but i was bullied a lot in school as i said and i kind of kept it to myself because i didn't want to burden them and such a regret of mine now but um it does mean that i've sort of toughened myself up a little bit and i can I can now stand there and and help people and give something back, whether that's going into schools and talking about bullying or standing on stage and hosting at a Pride event and just being out there completely open as to who I am and what I stand for. 
And I can do that through my art as well. I mean, making artwork of people like Gareth Thomas uh, recently um, to do with HIV awareness and erasing the stigma around that, um, standing up for transgender rights and any and the BLM movement and anything I can make artwork related to um, for those people that need a voice. I mean, what better way to do it than to shove an, Im- an image in someone's face and say, look at that, that's, that's what's going on in the world and that's what art can do. Yeah, it's great. I love all the kind acts that you're always posting and doing and everything yeah. like that. So do you want to talk about your book? Now, is it is it right you self-published this book? Or yes. How, you know, what's the, the journey? And can you tell us a little bit about the book? Yeah, so I 100% did it myself. And that gives me so much pride, actually. Um, it's been in the works for a couple of years in my head. Um, everything's in my head for a while. And then I got in touch with my friend who's a designer who pulled it all together for me. And he's done a great job, Craig uh, Kirkwood. He's great. Um, but Pop-Tart is essentially a celebration of 10 years of my work. So it, you can find nearly every piece that I've created in there. There's hundreds and hundreds of pieces. Um, all the stars I've met, like, uh, like I said, Mariah, Catherine Zeta, Prince Charles, Stephen Fry. Like there's loads of things in there. Art using coffee and pizza and glitter and fake blood. There's so much. Um, and it's almost... It's perfect to what I want. It, I envisioned it and how I wanted it to be. The only way it could have been better for me is if it was a scratch and sniff. I would have loved that. Um, <laughs> but yes, it wouldn't have been a wise idea with some of the stuff that's in there. Um, but it's it's great. And when I go into schools and speak to um, kids and GCSE students and stuff about it, they they just see it as a as an open door like to to the world can be you can use anything as art and yeah they no longer feel restricted as to what art can be and that's my whole message really yeah because it's not as so this is called pop tart yeah for the listeners it is not it's not a thin book by any stretch which just goes to show how much work you've done how many celebrities and people that you've met yeah and i was really determined actually to for the cover to be like look edible like chocolate because it's completely fun and the golden wrapper on the side there it's just kind of like my um little nod to sort of charlie and the chocolate factory when his dream come true and he got that golden ticket and that's where i feel like i've had for 10 whole years making all this work so yeah pop tart because i am a pop tart i love pop culture i i flaunt it in a, in a tarty way and yeah that's that's my 10 years of work in one book there yeah, go out and get it. Where can people buy, get a copy of that? Um, on my uh, web store, so it's nathanwyburn.com, and then there's a store page on there, and it's just £20. It's hardback, glossy-coloured pages, so it's it's well worth the £20, I think, anyway. <laughs> well worth it. Yeah, it is, definitely. Do you want to tell us about Drag to Church and mm. the film that's going to be made out of it? Yeah. Um, so aside from all the fundraising I do and talking about um, things I've gone through myself, um, I also do a lot of other fundraising. So myself and my friend Wayne are on Cardiff. We're known as Wyburn and Wayne. Bit of an insane double act and we love it. Um, we're just best mates that have a radio show and we write for a, a Cardiff Life magazine. Um, but we are also very good friends with St. Andrew's Church, um, United Reformed Church in Roth. Neither of us are particularly religious, um, but we are good 
friends with the family there. And yeah, we've built up a really good friendship over the years. So we've had several charity events in the church. And then I think it was nearly three years ago now, they were facing closure because they needed essential roof repairs um, because essentially um, it wouldn't have been safe for people to use. So they approached us and kind of asked us if we could think of a way of raising £10,000 to repair their roof. So we thought of the most outrageous, elaborate ways of doing fundraising. Um, we put on theatre shows in there. We put on rock concerts, standard like baking sales and everything like that. But then the idea came um, to put a drag show on at Christmas in the church. And there was so much apprehension because that's obviously two polar opposite worlds colliding. And we were worried about backlash. We were worried about what the church themselves would say, um, you know, because because we're in that world and we're we're used to the LGBT community getting such a backlash. And so we were quite concerned. But the drag queens jumped at it. They kind of liked the controversy, I think, a little bit. It was a huge success. We raised all that money the second year. We did it bigger and better again. And just by coincidence, really, um, I was booked to do a comic con event in wrexham with uh eve miles as well from torchwood and keeping faith and huge fan of eve miles i think she's an incredible welsh actress and she's going to go on to be one of the greats of all time um so myself and wayne we went over to chat to her because we were both early that morning the only people there for the first half hour so we got chatting and she asked us what we've been up to and we told her about the, the event and she just stopped us there and she said, right, we need to properly sit down and talk about this. And she set up her own video, um, her own production company, and she's using it as her first major movie. She's currently writing it with uh, a friend of hers and now a friend of ours, Peter Darney. He's great. He's won loads of awards about how the communities come together and saved a church and it's looking like it's going to be incredibly star-studded and huge and there will be a Nathan Wyburn character in there um, along with Wayne. And I don't know who's going to play me yet. There's been a couple of hints, um, but yeah, it's, it's such a crazy, crazy experience, but amazing for the LGBT community, amazing for Cardiff and yeah, hopefully amazing for the church as well. Cause they're all on board. They're all happy with it. Who would you want to play you then? I would like Taron Edgerton. I think that? he think. is the Welsh. <laughs> not many people know he's Welsh. Um, he's from Aberystwyth, but he's Rocket Man in the Elton John. Right. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah. And he's in um, a couple of other stuff and he's just great. And I think they are aiming, I hope, I hope to keep it very Welsh. So Wayne would like Luke Evans and I would like Taron Edgerton. Yeah. When's, when's that going to be sort of get into so, production and made then? Yeah, so everything is obviously coming to a bit of a, well, it's not quite a standstill, but a, a slowdown because of COVID. But all the writing is still going on. They're still passing everything back and forth, I think, producers and all that kind of stuff. And we don't know too much about that side of it. Um, I don't think we want to either. We just kind of want to wait for the big surprise. Um, but I think this year things will start happening, hopefully the casting process. And then they'll have, it'll take, it's a Christmas movie, so... It probably won't be next Christmas because of COVID, but then maybe the year after and we can have a big sparkly, glittery um, camp as hell uh, production, which is going to be amazing and respectful of all the communities that people can watch every Christmas. You know, we, we need a good, proper Welsh Christmas film. Because isn't James Corden involved with the production company as well? Yes, it's Full Well 73, which he is one of the... Um, 
boss is at or something. He's he's one of the big guys. So it's it's a great company, and and they are currently making Cinderella in Hollywood, the new production of that. They also did a few music videos for like Harry Styles and Justin Bieber, Shawn Mendes, so big pop stars, and they did the Gavin and Stacey Christmas special as well last year. So you know th- these 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 are big guns, and they they wanted and they are writing our movie, which is a little bit surreal, really. So you and uh, Wayne and the church could become even more famous then. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I, I mean, it'd be brilliant. And I, they are keeping elements of our characters. You know, I'm still going to be an artist. I'm still going to be a radio presenter. So it's going to be really surreal to look up at the screen and see Nathan and Wayne talking to each other. And then we're sat there in the cinema looking at two hopefully amazing Welsh actors playing us. It's, it's, it's going to be a really surreal moment, I think. Surely you've got to get some like little bit parts or extra. I'd love a cameo. Yeah. 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 You've got to, haven't you? Yeah. I'll dress up in drag and sit in the audience or something. I don't <laughs> mind. It'll be great. So going back to kind of creativity. Yeah. How do you get inspired? How do you kind of get into flow? And also what do you do when it happens to all creatives? I think is get that kind of, creative block or just don't feel inspired yeah. because you know stuff's going on in their brain or they just might not feel inspired because of like lockdown and all that kind of stuff so how yeah. do you kind of get inspired and get into that flow state yeah i do get creative block quite a lot and i used to really beat myself up about it and um I think that was also part of maybe like my mental health as well and things that I was constantly torturing myself for and negative thoughts and self-doubt that might be coming back to me from being so bullied as a child and stuff. Um, But since I've sought like, you know, help and and talking to people about that, um, the creative blocks kind of eased and I feel so much... I feel like it's so much easier for me to get into a creative position. And so I think that just comes with, with happiness, I guess, and generally being quite a chilled out, happy person. Now Um, I don't find it hard to to get creative, but when I see something uh, like an instant news story burst or something, and I just think, Oh my God, I've got to get to the studio and do this. I'll drop everything. I'll go like, I'll go at 3am in in the morning and I'll make sure I get this piece of work done. Um, because that's what inspires me. I, I feel like I, I I do document things as they happen. And people have often said to me, they're like, oh, I woke up this morning and I found out that Barbara Wins had passed away because I saw your portrait. <laughs> and I was like, oh, great. Um, but it is, it is like that. Or we found out that President Trump has got impeached because we saw your portrait of him using peaches or anything. And it's, yeah, I think the creative block has kind of eased a little bit and I no longer beat myself up about it. But if I do get it a little bit, I just go for a walk. I'm a walker. You've just got to walk and walk and know that it will come back. And it has, you know, for almost 10 years now. So I just got to know that if I'm not creative this week, I will be next week and it'll be good. So do you actually honestly drop everything? You know, if something crops up, even in the middle of the night, especially if it's in like America and stuff and you'll go, go to the studio. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, I can't sleep then if if something's in my head and uh, it's just it's no chance to be sleeping. So I may as well get up and, and do it and then sleep the next day. Um, but it's it's part of uh, it's and it's not about being on the ball and being so current with it. But it's it's about um, just showing again acting like a newspaper and a source of news in many ways um for people turn on social media and those x amount of people that are subscribed to my facebook will see that at the top of their feed 
And, you know, I'll be the one sourcing that information to them through visual art. And I think that's, that's quite cool. Can you sort of describe what goes on in your brain then? So say if there's a, a news event or something's happened, what, what's the process that goes on in your brain is in how am I going to do it? Yeah. What maybe materials am I going to use? What What's kind of clicking in your brain then? Yeah, so it, it can kind of happen either way, really. Um, I could be walking down a supermarket aisle and I could see, I don't know, a can of beans or whatever. And I could think, oh, I could actually do something with that. Um, or I will see a word that sounds like a word and then I can make a pun out of it and I can make a funny story out of it. Um, song lyrics, it could be a newspaper headline again. It could be like a stereotype of that person. Um, it could be something specific that that person keeps saying. Um, so it just kind of clicks, really. There's not much of a thought process to me. Um, but everybody else always kind of goes, ah, oh, I get it. And I like that. That's, that's quite fun. And they're quite obvious things in many ways a lot of the time. They don't need much explaining. And I kind of like that. So if it's a, like a, a news piece that's kind of kicked off, do you kind of like wait till the idea happens or does the idea happen on the way to the studio or do you go to the studio and just think, right, I'm looking for inspiration? Yeah, um, I won't ever go to the studio unless I've already got the idea in my head. If, if I go to the studio and sit there, I'll probably drive myself insane. Um, so it just kind of happens. It, 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 if it clicks in my head, I'll get up and go. Um, if it doesn't click, I'll, I'll leave it. And I, I know I won't be able to put the same energy into it the same passion into it like it's as if i really felt like i had to do this like like nina simone said like a duty like you have to do it and it's just part of to me being an artist and being a creative is that you do document things as they happen it's almost like every other day someone mega or famous or some celebrity has <laughs> re retweeted one of your pieces of work or it's like one of the big papers or big tv channels as Kind of retweeted your stuff how yeah. does that make you feel um it, it feels like there's a little bit of pressure but that's only pressure that i put on myself nobody else has really put this on me so i've only got myself to blame for that um but a victim of your own success i guess in many ways isn't it um but it's just to get again it's quite self-indulgent like i always say it, there are people that i like so when tom jones says thank you for making his portrait for his birthday i'm like pretty blessed that tom jones is tweeting me on his birthday i'm like tom take the day off but no he's he's tweeting me and uh, like christina aguilera recently in america um i'm a huge fan of the comedy Shit's creek um so dan levy um who's one of the main actors he wrote it he shared my work a couple of weeks ago like he, these these are huge huge stars and yeah it's just a little bit of a surreal feeling um, I used to actually collect all the newspaper cutouts and things and make a little black book with, of them. And I got about six books in and I thought, I, I can't really keep this up now. I'm just going to have to stop collecting them all. Um, but it was really sweet. My my parents and my grandparents still get them and they take pictures and send me them and stuff like that. And it, it's just nice. It's all documentation, isn't it? Yeah, because that, that must be an interesting kind of thought process, I guess, is that because you get you know, retweeted or shared by like some key people, you know, yeah. how do you feel about like numbers? Cause I take it you've gone viral quite a few times. Yeah. Do you have that kind of, um, trying to think of the word, like, do you kind of compare yourself with how a certain piece of work has performed before or a certain tweet has performed before and then just, get a bit down if it doesn't like either go viral or get a certain number of likes yeah um 
what I've noticed is that you can never call it with that kind of thing. You just can't. Um, I mean, having like verification um, ticks on all social media helps with certain celebrities, I think, seeing the work because they can set it to just verified accounts. But even before that, um, I think when if a big star would reshare my work, um, sometimes it still wouldn't get the same reaction as if nobody shared it. And it just took a couple of fans that shared it because the fans uh, really determined and they love the work. Um, but y- you just really can't call it. I mean, I think one time the the Lad Bible shared a Eminem spaghetti portrait I did, and that had 50 million views. And and then and I don't particularly think that was a difficult piece of work for me. I think it took me two hours to make. And then I can spend a whole week making something really elaborate and and to me a lot more worthwhile. And it will get like a thousand views or something. But as long as the work has the message um, that I want it to have, when I look back at like my book now, I look back and. It, I don't see the views. I just see the message that I did. So, um, yeah, it, it, it is on my mind because it always will be. But because I just always think, oh, I'd love that person to see it or I'd love it them to see the message. But it's, it's not an essential part of it at all. Um, it's just really nice when it does happen. So you're saying that um, it's really is the, the message is the key to your pieces then. And actually, you know, anything going viral, going big is just a bonus. Yeah, completely. And, and, and it's a great bonus and it's brilliant. And it, again, like you said, it's happened a few times now. That's the thing with the internet. You, you just can't call it. You really can't. And as I've, I always say, like, I'm not the best at what I do. I'd never say that. And um, in the same respect of, I don't know, Britney Spears hasn't got the best singing voice, but she's a superstar. And it's just, it just works sometimes. And that's, that's the way it goes. So what does success mean to you? Success to me is when I put my head on the pillow at night and I can comfortably go to sleep because that never really happens. And I know that I've done a good job um, in my own creative way and hopefully made a difference with a piece of artwork. Um, I'd like in a few years time or maybe when I've passed away or whatever, people to look back at my work and think, do you know what? He actually did something a little bit different there. And he did document the times in his in his life. And I'd love to be able to to do that so happiness success is happiness and i'm happy so how did you get become verified because i think that's always a question for people that haven't got the blue tick or haven't become verified on certain social media they've changed it two or three times over the years and it's slightly different for each um account but i only got verified on instagram last year but i've been verified on twitter and facebook for um about five or six years but it's just down to i mean you can't do it yourself anymore it's down to they they contact you and it's down to you have to have a certain amount of i think exposure press uh tv things like that so i think over the years I guess my catalogue of that just built up and then they noticed and they were like, all right, okay, maybe he should be verified. But um, yeah, it just, just happened. And do you think it makes a difference then when you're, when they see the blue tick or see that you're verified that they think you're, you've got some kudos or a certain authority? Yeah. I I don't really know about that. Um, I mean, I think it just, it does make you get noticed slightly easier. Um, But yeah, I think I guess that's down to again like followers count and stuff like that. I mean, I don't have a huge following on Instagram, but it's a bit better on Facebook, and that's maybe due to the audience. Um, I can look at the statistics and see that a lot of people that like my work are more so female and over forty. 
Um, so unless that demographic might not be on Instagram as much because it tends to be a bit younger. Um, so I guess it's just about knowing your audience as well. And if you if, if you work to that and, you know, I, I just keep smiling and they keep coming back and that's, that's nice. It's, it's great. Before the last question, then, where can people check your amazing work out and all the other things that you do, like your radio show and stuff like that? Yeah, so I have a website, nathanwyburn.com, and that generally links to everything. But on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, it's at Nathan Wyburn Art. Um, or just pop my name into any of the search engine stuff, and it should, it should come up. Hopefully, it's the first one. You never know. Um, but yeah, it's, you can kind of see me anywhere. My radio show is on Radio Cardiff every Friday, 11 till 1, with my best mate Wayne. And we also have a column in every edition of Cardiff Life magazine as well, just talking about everything that we've got up to in the, uh, the weeks prior and what's going on around this amazing city of Cardiff. Awesome. Right. So final question then. Great. Imagine all your friends and family are perhaps sat down on the beach looking out to the blue sky and the sun. And there's a, a plane going over, carrying a banner behind it. And you've hired the plane. And yeah. these are your final words of wisdom to all your friends and family. What would the message be on there? Well, the one I always say to everyone is think outside the box and don't limit your creativity. And that's what I try and say to everyone. It's always think outside the box. Awesome. That has been amazing. Thank you very much, Nathan Thank you. Wyburn. You've Thank you. been awesome. Yay. Yay. Thank you. <laughs> if you want to raise the profile of your business or your personal brand, having your own podcast is a great way to achieve it. I'm giving away 50 of my top secrets that help get this exact podcast to number one and created a stack of exciting opportunities. For your free download, go to mypodcastsecrets.com. That's mypodcastsecrets.com. If you've enjoyed today's episode, I would really appreciate you leaving us a great review on iTunes or your Apple Podcast app. It means a lot. Thank you very much for being that. Hello, man. I'll see you on the next episode.